Dear congregation, what do you most want to gain, to get? And what do you most dread losing? What are you willing to sacrifice other things for in order to have, in order to keep, in order to gain? That's your treasure. That's your treasure. We may have different things, but our treasure is what we value above other things. What we want most and what we fear losing most. Where our treasure is, is where the focus of our care is, our fear is, our hope is, where our trust is, our joy is, it's in our treasure. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus teaches about our treasure, and he shows that there are two treasuries out of which treasure flows. There's a treasury of this earth which produces much, and there is also a heavenly treasury out of which all flows. He teaches about the, his spiritual kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. It's about the citizens of the kingdom and the Beatitudes and about the laws of the kingdom and about the, the God of the kingdom and about the way to live in his kingdom and also about the treasury of his kingdom. And he teaches these things not to take away from us anything of true value, but to cause us to have and to know and to live out of true treasure. Let us listen to these verses 19 through 21 of Matthew 6 under the theme, Laying Up Treasure. We'll see first, laying up earthly treasure. Second, laying up heavenly treasure. And third, laying up valued treasure. Laying up treasure, earthly treasure, heavenly treasure, and valued treasure. Chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount of, recorded in Matthew 6 begins with those activities which are so important in personal life. Almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And now in verse 19 and to the end of the chapter, the Lord Jesus is teaching how we are to relate to earthly things. And first he warns about having them as idols, as an idolatrous treasure. And then in verses 25 to the end, he warns about this distrusting anxiety about God's provision for them. And our text is then, in this first section, about a, a misuse of them. And it has these two calls. First, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. And then there is the flip side, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What are these treasures on earth? What is of value here on earth? And maybe the first thing that comes to mind is money. Money's valuable, isn't it? We all want money. We all need money. It's special already when children, you start to get money. Then you can open a bank account. And then you ask your mom how much money is in there, and maybe she tells you, and, and you have 100, and you have 500, and then... And then you start working and you get a thousand and then you keep working and then you start thinking, well, I, I, I'm going to need a vehicle and you save up and you, you have 5,000 as a young person and you, you have even more and then you start to think, okay, what am I going to do with that? What am I? You can only do that because you have money. Money is, is valuable. And, and then you get older and you, you look to, you need money because you want a house and you need money because you, you want to buy other things, and money is valuable, isn't it? 
would we do without money? And it keeps going. Think of all the things that you can do with money. As seniors, we still need money, and we value money. With money, we can buy so much. With money, enough money, then we don't have to worry. Worry about making payments if you have enough money. Money is valuable. What else is a treasure on earth? Not just money, but all the things you could buy with money. In Bible times, they didn't have banks like we did. They didn't have an app where you could just see how much is there. No, they would often have their wealth in storehouses or in things that they had. There could be jewelry. There could be expensive clothes. There could be their homes. It could be their storehouses of grain and oil. It could be their wine and their livestock. Possessions. And again, possessions are valuable, aren't they? Who wouldn't like to have more things than they have? It's part of life, isn't it? To have things. And especially in our community, which puts a high value on working hard and being diligent and not being lazy. After all, we have a lot of expenses and we have school to support and a church to support and other things to support and, of course, ourselves too. We give ourselves to to working hard. We don't like to be lazy. And as we work hard and as we get ahead, what happens? Our standard of living rises and rises. The older ones among us, they look back and they They say they couldn't imagine living the way we live today when they grew up, right? We we have more and more. And in the midst of it all, the Lord Jesus comes and he says to us this morning, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Are you thankful for that command of Christ? Say, that's something I so need to hear. What does it mean? Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Does it mean we should not work hard? Does it mean we should not make money? Does it mean it's bad to have a certain, more than a certain amount of money? Because then you're laying up for yourselves? Of course we should work. That's a calling. Proverbs says, go to the ant, thou sluggard, and learn from her and be wise. When we work, we are to work hard and we are to be diligent in the task that God gives us to do. There's no godliness in laziness. We're called whatever our hand finds to do, to do with all our might. And when we receive from that, are we allowed to lay up Or are we just to give it all away? Christ said to that rich young ruler, remember he came to the Lord Jesus and asked, what must I do to have eternal life? And he said, go, sell all that you have. Come, follow me. Is that what we're to do? Maybe. Maybe. There are those who are called to do so. That's not the general rule, is it? That you are to sell everything you have and give it all up. Deuteronomy speaks of the Lord blessing the storehouses of those who walk in his ways, showing that those who walk in God's ways may have storehouses. Proverbs 21, verse 20 says, There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but the foolish man spendeth it up. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 14 says, Parents ought to lay up store for the children. It's the same word as is used here in Matthew 6. 
There's a place for laying up in store. It's not wrong to have property. It's not wrong to have investments. What is Christ forbidding then here? There's a hint in those next words of the text, where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. You see that lady who has that beautiful woolen dress and she puts it away and those moths manage to find it and they lay their eggs in it and those little larvae hatch and those little things eat up that garment and she goes to it and she pulls it out of the cupboard and it's all full of holes. It's worthless. The moth eats up what's beautiful. And the rust corrupts. You see that man, he has his shiny new tools and he leaves it out and he loses it in some time later, he finally finds it. It's all rusty. It's not secure. And that word for rust is, is literally what eats away. It could be rust that eats metal away. It could also be things that eat away what's in the storehouses. You think of mice who would come into those storehouses and eat away that grain that's stored up. Or you think of the mold that would set in those provisions and reduce them to worthlessness. What is fresh and valuable can become moldy and old and useless. Christ is reminding us, not only then but also now, that moth and rust corrupts. There is change and decay in everything that we have. We see it, right? shiny new vehicle. And now we look and we say, oh, that was, that's from 90-something. It's old and rusted and worthless. So it goes with all our possessions here below. And if moth and rust doesn't corrupt them, then thieves may break through and steal. And they're gone. And someone else has them. The Lord Jesus is reminding us that our possessions are not secure. There's a fire and your home is reduced to ashes. There's a flood and much is ruined. There's a downturn in the economy and all those projections come to nothing. There's inflation and you thought you had so much and it turns out to be not worth much anymore. There's so many ways in which the things we have may disappear. We get sick, we can no longer work. We can think we have financial security, but there is no such thing. Proverbs asks, wilt thou set thine eyes upon riches? Upon, actually it says, upon that which is not. For riches certainly make themselves wings and they fly away as an eagle. And even if we manage to keep them to the end of life, then what? We'll have to leave everything behind. We won't be able to take a single thing with us that we laid up for ourselves here below. Do you remember that story that the Lord Jesus told about that? That man who had a bumper crop so much and he said, what shall I do? I'll build greater barns. And then I'll say, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided, laid up for yourself? And the conclusion is this so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Is that not an example of what the Lord Jesus is teaching us in this account? It's about having the things of this earth as your treasure that you lay up for yourself because that's all that's of value to you 
or that's of most value to you. The Lord Jesus is teaching us, isn't he? First of all, do not be a fool, spending life pursuing what you'll never be able to keep, even if you gain it. He's telling us not to let our main goal being be to get the things of this earth. Because whether we succeed or whether we fail, ultimately it will be a wasted life of chasing after things to gather up for ourselves. And in the end, they will not profit if that's all our treasure is. And yet it's so easy to get caught up in that, isn't it? We toil through our days in order to get, to lay up. And when you have this much, you think, but it'd be better to have that much. It'd be better to have more. And someone else has even more. How easy it is to spend so much time searching on the internet what we want we want to buy. And there it comes to our door again, another Amazon delivery. So easy, isn't it? But is that all our lives are about? As if we only have a body and have no soul. Let earthly treasures not be an idolatrous pursuit of our lives, in a way that keeps us from God. But also, in this warning, the Lord Jesus is telling us not to trust in uncertain riches. That's an emphasis here on on laying up because you think, if I have this, then I will be able to enjoy life. And the Lord Jesus is warning, it's all fleeting. The point is, don't base your safety on what you have. Don't simply labor to become secure through what you have. That if I can only lay up enough, then I will be okay. Then I won't have to worry in life. Because what are we doing then? We're making an idol of those things. To think that if we have more, then we will be more secure. And then we will have a better life. Is to make an idol of them. And then they come between us and God. You think of an example of those who who made the things that they had gathered an idol? Remember how the Lord Jesus went across the lake once and he came to Sarah? And there, there was that man who had that legion of devils and he cast them out and they went into the pigs. And the pigs went down that cliff And they perished. And what did the people do? They came to the Lord Jesus and they did not fall down before him. And they did not plead for mercy. Instead, they said, Lord Jesus, go away. Why? Because he took their treasure away. He was a danger because that was their treasure and not him. Don't trust in the things of this earth because they will stand in the way between you and God. But also, when he says, laying up up treasure for yourselves, he's telling us not to be selfish in pursuit of them. Notice the emphasis on laying up for yourselves. Don't live for yourselves. And that can go with giving money to the church. You can give 10%, you can give 30% to the church and still be all focused on laying up for yourselves because that's really where your heart is. He's warning about living for yourself, for myself, and that we think that, that we need what we have for ourselves. We've worked hard for what we have or we've been given what we have for ourselves. Then a child can think, what is my $5 to give away? And a young person can think, but I do have to save up for 
And a young couple can think, but I have my mortgage payment or I have my other things I have to do. And in the middle of life, you're so used to laying it all up for yourself and being focused on yourself. And so it goes. It's so opposite of the law of the kingdom of Christ who gave himself for his subjects so that they would live not for themselves but for him and for others. How foolish to waste life in this self-centeredness to maintain our own lives and yet lose in the end because our life has just been about ourselves. Christ would later say, wouldn't he, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world for himself and he lose his own soul? What will it profit? That brings us to the deepest folly of pursuing the things of this earth as our treasure for ourselves. Not only are they fleeting, but they are of no real value to give us what we truly need. Do we not need a treasure in heaven? Else we're chasing after soap bubbles and throwing away gold. The true treasure is heavenly treasure. That's our second point, laying up treasure, not simply earthly treasure, but heavenly treasure. We've seen something of what comes out of this earthly treasury. Now, what about this heavenly treasury? What value does the, do these heavenly treasures have? First of all, these are spiritual treasures. Heaven is a very real place, at the heart of that spiritual realm of God. That's where God is, who is spirit. That is where the angels are as ministering spirits. That is where the spirits of just men made perfect are. We are physical and we are spiritual. With our physical bodies, we relate to this physical realm. And with our souls, we relate to that spiritual realm. But the thing is, treasures for our physical body cannot feed and satisfy and address our spiritual needs, our soul. You can make a body flourish and still star starve a dead soul. Only spiritual treasure can delight our soul. And that spiritual treasure is the treasure in heaven. The treasures in heaven are truly precious for our precious, precious soul. What are they? They're not only spiritual, but they're divine treasures. They are the things of God. What fills God, what fills heaven is God. There he is in all his glory and all his boundless bliss. There he is. And he shows himself amid all those who are gathered around him in heaven, the redeemed, the angels. There he is, showing himself in the Lord Jesus Christ who is at the right hand of the Father. And Christ, the Son of God, is that treasury, that heavenly treasury, is he not? It, Colossians says, in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is the one who has unsearchable riches. In him, it says, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge for foolish and ignorant sinners. In him are hid treasures of divine grace for guilty and unworthy sinners. In him are hid treasures of divine power for helpless ones here below. In him are hid treasures of life for those who find themselves in the midst of death. In him are all the riches that you can ever desire, that you can ever enjoy. He is the treasury, 
the true treasury so full. And it's a treasury so full that it can never be exhausted no matter how many draw and receive out of that treasury. He is the one who has pardon for sin and peace with God. He is the one who has light in the midst of darkness and life in the midst of death. He is the one who is filled with a love which is beyond our understanding. Who can know the height and depth and breadth and length of the love of Christ, the love of God in Christ? He is a treasury of the love of God. He is in heaven. And he is at the right hand of the Father. As we are gathered here this morning, he is there in all his glory and all his fullness. And Colossians 1 says, he is the head of the body, the church, that in him, in all things, he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. That's why Ephesians 1 verse 3 can say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And the amazing thing about Christ is that treasury of grace and that treasury of love and that treasury of blessing is that all those treasures lead back to God to have God as your portion and to have God as your inheritance and to have God as such, the infinite, boundless, blessed God is to be truly, truly rich. Is to have all. Truly is. Who can be greater than God? What treasure can be greater than God? Tell me. There's nothing that can be greater than God. And to have God as your treasure is to have something greater than anything else you can chase after. Mary Winslow, who lived in the 1800s, went through many trials. Her husband died. She had a large family to raise, including Octavius Winslow, who I trust you've read some of his works. But she said, to have him to go to, to lay before him all our wants, to plead his promises, and to expect that because he has promised he will fulfill is worth more than all the world can give. Why then do I need to lay up for myself treasure on earth as if that's my supply alone? If I have this God as my treasure, as my portion to care for me for body and soul and provide in the midst of every need and to be the joy of my heart. These are divine treasures. These are also eternal treasures, not only spiritual, divine, but eternal treasures. They're treasures in heaven. It's the Lord Jesus says, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. These treasures are secure, absolutely secure. No moth can creep into heaven and eat that garment of the righteousness of Christ, it's there secure in its brilliant purity and whiteness and value forever. No moth can creep into heaven and eat those robes of salvation and those garments of praise. They're there, secure and perfect forever. No rust can corrupt the golden riches of Jesus Christ. His riches endure forever and ever. No mold can come in and spoil the marriage supper of the Lamb. It will be fresh and it will be delightful forever and ever and ever. No thieves 
can sneak into heaven and rob any of that treasure and destroy it or empty this treasury of God. The devil and all his hosts cannot diminish the riches of Christ in any way. Oh, these treasures are secure. These treasures are eternal. Here change and decay and all around we see. But God is the same. And if he is the treasure and if he is the portion, then nothing shall ever diminish that treasure. Here is a faithfulness that will never be removed. Here in glory is a life that will never end. Here in glory is a fountain that will well up forever. Here is a gift that will never be lost. Here is a love that will never end. Here is a foundation that will never be moved. Here are treasures to be enjoyed with a glorified body and a purified soul forever. And the amazing thing is that out of that treasury he already gives here below. Out of that inheritance that Peter says is an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You may receive already now. That's why Mary Winslow said to her children, children, live for eternity. This world is not worth living for. Do you agree? Do you agree this morning? We've seen these two treasuries. If we only seek the treasure here below and have what we see as valuable here below, just try to gather, to enjoy. We've seen this heavenly treasury out of which grace flows, and help flows. Every need, in the midst of every need, this treasury which can truly satisfy the heart. Christ says, do not lay up yourselves for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What does he mean? We can't go up into heaven, can we? and put treasures in the bank of heaven, so to speak, can we? We can't climb into heaven, and what treasures could we bring to heaven? All the riches are there. They're there already. Christ the heir is there. God, the infinite God, is there. What does it mean, then, to to lay up treasure in heaven? Well, first of all, we can say to lay up treasure there is to commit your precious soul and its great salvation to the God who is there rich in grace. Paul in 2 Timothy 1 verse 12 said, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul committed his all to this God in heaven. In that way, he brought his whole being, all he had to God in heaven to take keep, to bless. The point is this, isn't it? You can't entrust your precious soul to the things here below because they will not give you what you need. We need the God in heaven. And it's only by faith can we be citizens of heaven and share in the riches of heaven? And that's why Christ began his sermon on the mount with those words, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The spiritually poor who have nothing in themselves to trust in, the spiritually poor whose need is so great that nothing here below can address their deepest need can only come before God and entrust their all to him who is in heaven and expect all from him, him alone. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Commit your soul, your life, your all 
to this God in heaven. But secondly, and more in focus here, laying up treasure in heaven is also coming to see more and more of what treasure you then have in heaven with Christ. Sometimes we say so easily, to have Christ is to have everything. But my friend, if you say that, can you spend 10 minutes telling another what you have in Christ? Can you spend an hour? If you say it's to have everything, can you, can you tell another what there is in Christ? What is that all? Is that not a call to, to seek to know that treasure in heaven and to know it more and more? Isn't this laying up treasure in heaven related to the call of Colossians 3? If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on the things above and not on the things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. If your treasure is not below but is above, then is that not reason to be busy seeking those things above, seeking to know, to see, to receive, to enjoy, to live out of those things, that treasury which is above? And that all you receive from above would only bring you back to the God above in gratitude for what he has been and what he has given. That when we then look at all that the Lord gives, that it just humbles the more because it's actually not just coming from the treasury of the earth below. It's coming from the treasury of the God in heaven who gives even the temporal benefits that you enjoy. That's what then makes it so rich. When you receive those things out of his hand from this God, in spite of what you are, and when you receive from him out of that spiritual treasury of grace, it's so rich. Shall this year not be a year of, of opening the word of God and searching the word of God? Because can I say that's the doorway into that treasury in heaven. He, he gives the doorway right in the word of God. And he says, here it is. Here is where you find the treasure. So that we would not just fill our whole lives, busy with so many things, but at the door of this treasury, in his word, pleading also that he would open our eyes to see and hearts to receive this treasury, of this treasury and live out of it. So laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven involves living out of that treasury which is in heaven. But it also involves one more thing, how we use our earthly gifts. Luke 12, starting at 29, is where the Lord Jesus teaches, seek not ye that what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, Neither be of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in heaven that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. The Lord Jesus is saying, trust in him to provide. Seek first the kingdom of God. And as you are giving, you're actually not losing. Because as you are giving, as you are using what you have to serve others, what are you actually doing? you're actually giving it to God. 
There's a striking proverb, Proverb 19. In Proverbs chapter 19, he that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given, will he repay him again? You're giving to others. You're serving others. But the proverb says you're actually lending to the Lord. And we would tend to say, it should say, you're giving to the Lord and then it's not yours anymore. But he's saying you're lending to the Lord. It's, it's not really gone. You will receive interest, can I say, from the Lord. He will reward. A life of giving, a life of service, is not a life of becoming poorer. Because it's a life of giving to the God in heaven. It's a life of laying up treasure in heaven and the Lord will also, it says, reward. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus taught in that parable of those on the left and those on the right? On those, those on the left, they never saw reason to give anything away and they lost everything because they had just laid up for themselves. And on the other hand, there were those who did live in order to serve, and they didn't keep track of all the things that they had done. They said, when saw we thee a hungered, and when saw we thee thirsty, and when did we give thee a cup of cold water? But he said, inasmuch as you did it unto the least of these my disciples, you did it unto me. In serving, in giving. It's actually not about, it is about others. It is care about others. But ultimately, it's laying up treasure in heaven. It's giving unto the Lord, the God who first gave it to you. If that's so, how can we then just live? As if what we have is, our, is for ourselves and ourselves only. And live to just scrape together some things. What a poor life. Living to get is to lose. Living, receiving from him and so giving is true gain. What treasures are you pursuing? Am I pursuing? What treasures are we striving to enjoy? We're all seeking the same thing. We're seeking, we're pursuing after what we value. And that's why our, our final point briefly is laying up valued treasures. The test of whether we are living out of that earthly treasury or simply this, or that heavenly treasury or simply this earthly treasury is not how much we have. There are beggars and there are billionaires living out of that heavenly treasury and there are other beggars and billionaires that are only living out of this earth. It's in the first place about our heart. Where does our heart go? Thoughts go, desires go. And that will show itself in how we lived, won't it? Where we look affects how we live, doesn't it? If you're biking along and you're looking far into the distance, it's easy to go straight there. But if you're looking sideways, it's hard to, right? Where are we looking? What do we see of value? Is it what's around us, this earth? Or is it him? If someone were to watch us for a week, what would he think? I am pursuing what? I am one who has what important to him? What does my life show about my priorities? When I jump out of bed in the morning, do I race to work or do I seek first the kingdom of God? Do I spend the whole day talking about things of this earth and nothing more? or about that heavenly riches. 
Is it simply about getting my children ahead and giving them things or teaching them of these things of eternal value? Do I spend the last minutes of my day still checking about things here below or with the Word of God? If they could read our thoughts and see where our desires are going, what would they see when we awake at night? Are we thinking just about the things of this earth or are we, is our song, my heart instructs me in his love in seasons of the night or that cry with hands stretched out throughout the night? Would they see us laying up treasure on earth or in heaven? Where would they see us in our element? At work? Or on our outings? Or here or there? Or in a place like this, where we may receive out of that heavenly treasury? I ask if someone were to see us for a week and someone was to read our thoughts for a week, what would they see? And we know there is one who reads our thoughts and who sees our lives every week, isn't there? It's God himself. He sees us through and through as we're here. And he's the one who knows where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. If your heart simply goes to the things of this earth, though you can talk about spiritual things, but your, your heart goes to the things of this earth, and that's what ha- has value to you, and not the things of God. It shows where your heart is. That's the problem. The problem is not riches. The problem is your heart. We value what suits and serves and benefits us And if we only value the things here below, it's because we only know a portion here below. It's because our hearts are still dead to God and dead to spiritual things and dead to things that are eternal. A Puritan once said, the greatest part of what a Christian does enjoy lies in invisibles, in the love of God, in interest in him, in communion with him, in the actings of faith and dependence on him. But all these invisibles are not real to you because you're still spiritually dead. And if you're still spiritually dead, then there's one thing you so need this very morning. And that's not just that you go out and you say, well, now I'm going to give more to the church and more to others. And now I'm going to try to read my Bible more. Yes, do all those things, but they are not the solution to your deepest need. Your deepest need then is you must be born again. Your heart must be made alive to the things of God. Otherwise, you'll still only just cling to the things here below as your treasure because you don't know God and you don't know Christ and you don't know your great need of him that nothing here below can satisfy. And if that is your condition this morning, And he says, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Will you not confess that to God? That's how great your need and great your problem is. You need life in your soul so that it would flow out to this God as more valuable than anything else in this Christ Don't camouflage it. Don't cover it up. Confess that problem to God, to his Christ. Because the one who speaks here is the Savior who has come to save those who only have their treasure here below. He's the one who shed his blood to forgive that great sin and to reconcile such sinners to God. And he's the one who lives today to give his spirit as that gift of him from his treasury in order to give that new life. He is the Savior who delights to do such things and to turn hearts from being fixed here below to going upward to him and real. <clears throat> He is the Savior who lives this very day. And if he lives this very day, where else will you go 
with your heart fixed on the things below than to this Savior. And is he not the one to go, through, to go to every time again? Because even when we know this Christ, so easily our hearts are dragged down again and get so caught up in the things here below again, don't they? And that selfishness so easily creeps in, doesn't it? What's the remedy? What's the solution? When if you're honest this morning, you say, my heart has become so ensnared. And it hasn't been fixed on Christ as my chief treasure. So confess that to him again. As sin. To confess your own poverty again. Your own foolishness again. Mary Winslow wrote once, What a poor, wretched exchange professors make when they barter the blessings of a close walk with God for the beggarly enjoyments of an empty, disappointing world. Ten minutes at the feet of Jesus, in full view of his love, while confessing sins and shortcomings, is a happiness I would not exchange for millions of worlds. You too. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen. O Lord God, we pray unto thee who art above, so full in thy glory, so full in thy grace. And thou dost say, open wide thy mouth and I will fill it. And so, O Lord, that we would not just chase after the things below and lay up for ourselves what moth and rust would corrupt, but that all of us would seek and find our treasure above in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we would then live out of that fullness that provides for body and for soul, and that we would receive every gift we have out of thy hand, and that we would not use it in selfishness, but in service to thee, even more grateful for all that thou dost give. O Lord God, we pray to draw our hearts to thee and fix them upon thee, that thou wouldst be our treasure and our heart would be set upon thee. Forgive, O Lord, even when knowing thy grace, our hearts wander away. Draw them back, O Lord, we pray, so that we would truly sing, Whom high of high in heaven but thee, there's none I desire on earth besides thee. We pray to keep us further in this day. Bless us as we hope to come together again in this evening as a congregation. Receive our thanks, O Lord, and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.